chapter 8. I know for some of you, it might be one of your favourites. Uh, a big part of who we are at Found and City Reach is we believe God speaks to us through the Bible. And that though this was written many, many years ago, it continues to have life and meaning for us uh, and able to teach us. So I'm, I'm excited uh, to be in this beautiful passage. Uh, let me just say uh, just a moment of honesty and vulnerability. I've had a rough week and um, yeah, it was it was just hard work to get uh, this teaching together tonight. Um, but God has put it there. I'm grateful and I'm actually really excited and really burning with passion to share with you tonight. Um, but I'll just say from the outset, it's a, uh, there's a lot in this. It's beautiful, but there's a lot in it. A lot about what it means to be a Christian. So maybe you're wondering, what does it mean to be a Christian? We're going to find out tonight. And let me just say from the outset, we can treat being a Christian like living in the cupboard under the stairs at Four Privet Drive in Little Winning, Surrey. Does, does anyone know what I'm talking about? I see a few nods. Uh, this is the address of Harry Potter. Taken in as an orphan by his jaded and self-centered uncle and aunt, Harry... He's rescued from being abandoned, but he's a burden on the Dursleys. He's stuck in the cupboard under the stairs, afraid to upset his adopted family. We can have this mindset, right, that, yeah, if we're Christian, we're forgiven of our sins, accepted by God, but we're still stuck. You know, we're kind of in the house, but we're left alone, locked in the cupboard under the stairs, powerless. We're in the house, but we're trapped. We're on our own, anxious. We can reduce the Christian life to a moment when we believe in Jesus and say a prayer, have our sins forgiven. We're in the house, but then after that, it's kind of just sin managing, church going, trying to be nicer to not upset the Dursleys. We've got our ticket into heaven when we die, and now we just avoid major sins. We make ourselves comfortable until we exchange this world's comforts for a bigger, more comfortable house in heaven. The trouble with this is that it is void of life. It's void of any real fulfillment, and it's void of any power beyond ourselves. And it couldn't be further from the truth of Christianity, the truth of Jesus Christ. It is a spiritless Christianity, and it needs to be unlearned. A spiritless Christianity. We need to welcome back the Holy Spirit into our lives and into under uh, into our understanding. This is an anchor. That's the, been the theme of our series, anchors. This is an anchor that can hold us in the uncertainty and the anxiety of life. We are not alone. We are not powerless in this life. We have been filled with the Spirit to change, to be transformed into the people God wants us to be. So we're more than just forgiven our, our sins. Our life is more than just an existence hidden in the cupboard of a jaded God. Rather, we have been filled with God Himself who loves us and He brings us into His home as His children and He's invested His very self into us. The Holy Spirit to be with us and to transform us. 
This is what Romans 8 is all about. Practically every verse we heard there, there's mention of the Spirit. Uh, And yet it's so often neglected in our understanding of what it means to belong to Jesus. So what does the Holy Spirit mean for our life as a Christian? Uh, This is where we're going tonight. We're going to follow through the passage. We're going to see what is the freedom of the Spirit, what is the transformation of the Spirit, and the assurance of the Spirit. So my prayer, may God awaken us to the presence and power of the Spirit, God's Spirit, in our lives to remake us. Because we believe this is God's work and we want to invite God to speak, I'm going to pray for us now. So if you'd like to join me in prayer. Father God, we ask for great clarity as we come before your word tonight. We do so humbly and we don't have all the answers and there's so many things that we're yet to learn. So we pray that you'd reveal yourself. Things worth sharing. Uh, as I was praying before uh, I came tonight, I had this vision of uh, a river uh, being uh, God's word, his, his living water. Uh, and many of us are dry and parched and there's cracks in the ground and we feel far from you. I just pray tonight, Lord, uh, even in my weakness, uh, that your word would flow like a river to refresh us and renew us, that we would see you, Jesus, we would know you, we would love you. So refresh us, Lord, uh, quench our thirst. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've got one, have your Bibles open to Romans 8 or follow along on a phone app or it's going to be on the screen. Um, I like to use the New International Version. Uh, Sometimes we read from the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version. They're just different ways of translating the same same stuff. Uh, I won't go more into that, but uh, this is from the NIV. So uh, perhaps the sweetest words in the whole of Scripture... Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, on the basis of all that Paul's gone to to demonstrate of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, therefore, there is now, it is present, it is a close reality for us, it's totally secure. There is now no condemnation, none. We are not condemned, not even a little bit. All accusations against us are gone. All our sins forgiven, past and future for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is assurance for those who believe and accept Jesus. This is our new identity, our new standing, our new hope and security. We are in Christ Jesus, not just associated to Him, not just served by Him. We are in Him. It's a relationship. Whereas the Bible likes to describe it, a a union with Christ. It's the literal difference between being a slave and being a child. You're in. You share the family name. These beautiful words. And it's all come about by the freeing work of the Spirit. As the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit sets us free. Verse 2, read, It says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit 
who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of the Spirit? Well, God had promised through His prophets long ago that God would do what we could never do on our own. Our own hearts condemned us. So what would He do? Give us a new heart by filling us with His Spirit. Uh, This is the prophet Ezekiel 36. It's an amazing promise. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Hundreds of years before Jesus even came, he said, I'm going to do this. This is how it's going to be done. By the Spirit, God would do what we could never do. And Paul explains how, how God was able to do it. How he was able to set us free from our broken, sinful, rebellious selves and give us, fill us with his Spirit. So we read verse 3. This is how. For what the law, it's talking about the Old Testament commands of God, the expectations upon Israel, the law was powerless to do. Because it was weakened by the flesh. In other words, the law was never going to work to change us because it couldn't fix the problem that was inside us. We needed a miracle. And that's exactly what God did. It says, God did. And this is what makes Christianity different to every other religion. It's not about what we do for God. It's about what God did for us. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh. What's going on here? It's the condemnation. He's talked about that before. The condemnation that should have fallen on us fell onto Jesus, God's own Son. You see, Jesus embodied. He, He took on our own Weakness, our own flesh, our brokenness and rebellion. God became a human and he suffered on the cross to take the punishment that we deserved. And that's why he can say, you are free from the law of sin and death. It doesn't have control over you anymore. Anyone see the movie The Godfather? A couple people. But I think you understand the idea of a mafia boss. And this isn't a great illustration, but I want to illustrate one little point. So don't take it as a complete allegory, but listen to me. Uh, It says, it's like the fear of owing money to a mafia boss. And if you don't pay up, you'll pay it with your own life. And when you owe a debt, he controls you and he controls you with fear. But when your debt is paid, this mafia boss has no control over you anymore. No more fear. And I know it's a strange illustration because I'm not comparing God's good commands to uh, like a mafia boss. But the point is the control and the condemnation and the fear is gone when the debt is paid. There's no more fear, no more control. We're free. And it would take a miracle, a miracle of God's love. See, our stone-cold, spiritually dead, powerless hearts have been replaced by God's life and His presence to free us. This is the law of the Spirit. Are you living that today? 
there is nothing that stands between you and God. Do you realize the new heart He gives you when you trust Him for it? He has filled you with His Spirit. And maybe you're not a Christian with us. Is there some part of you that wants this to be true? God's Spirit in us, in you. And we need to remember this because we're going to keep defaulting to thinking that we owe God something. We owe something to God. We'll continue to operate as slaves to fear, being controlled by guilt and shame and self-willpower. That's what controls us if, we're, if we have a slave mindset, a fear mindset, instead of the Spirit's power and freedom. We don't owe anything to God anymore. It's been paid. And we've been freed by the Spirit. And so God has put His Spirit in us. And the big point of tonight is He does this not just to justify us and pay that debt, but also to transform us, to change us. This is, this is important. God's law, His good and perfect will for our lives that's marked by love, and justice and holiness and goodness doesn't then just become useless to us. Rather, the Spirit was put in us so that we can now live up to the Spirit of the law of love and justice and goodness and holiness. In other words, we are freed for true righteousness, a life that is truly good. We are freed from condemnation, but we are also freed for righteousness. Listen, verse 4, he says, And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. We now can fulfill God's will f- for our lives to live his way. What the command was powerless to do, the Spirit in us can do. And this is the difference between living according to the flesh and living according to the Spirit. And the flesh, that word there, uh, we don't use it that much. It's not meaning our skin and it's not meaning our humanness in this context. Uh, But the Bible is describing this part of us that is spiritually dead. And as Martin Luther, the, the reformer, he put it, he said, our self, our flesh is our self curved in on itself. Just naturally, that part of our humanity that wants to serve itself and be, be dead to God. See, our hearts were incapable of serving God. But now with a new heart and the penalty of the law paid for, we are empowered by His Spirit to live a new life to be transformed in holiness. This is what we should expect as we enter into God's family. So, get out of the cupboard under the stairs and realize that if you trust in Jesus and what He has done, you have a place in Jesus' family. And this is nothing like the wicked Dursleys of Harry Potter. You see, God's home. God's family are marked by love and goodness. So with this image of a home and and the cupboard under the stairs, just want to imagine for one minute 
that God has invited you into his house. You come into his house and the people in it are pure and sweet and kind. They are lovely. They are good. They are perfect. The most spectacular people you could ever imagine. And they all resemble the image of their God. They have this radiant likeness of Jesus. And God himself, he comes alongside you in this home and he says, look, look around at these people. I want you to know that this is how I see you and accept you. In my eyes, you are perfect and free. You belong here. But then God says, look around. Look, look at Jesus, my son. This still is what I want you to become like. And I'm going to help you to become just like him. So he said, this is how I see you. You belong here amongst these perfect people. My perfect son. But he says, I want you to become like them too. And I'm going to help you do it. We have the Spirit in us. A new law at work in our hearts. And God will change us for the better. He'll change our mindset. When we have the Spirit, He's going to change our perspective on life. He's going to change our feelings on the future. He'll change the way that we live. This is the transformation of the Spirit. We've seen the freedom of the Spirit. Tonight, I want to see the importance of the Spirit to bring about change, transformation. And it starts with a new mind. Uh, and the mind of the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit means two things. It means new desires, and it means new drivers. Uh, firstly, new desires. So look with me at verse 5. Uh, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Before Christ, before we belonged to Christ, our desires were ruled by what the flesh wanted to serve ourselves instead of God and others. Our minds, they were fixated on our desires, uncontrolled. Our desire to lust and steal and cheat and boast and gossip and hate, all in fulfillment of self. But when we're filled with the Spirit, we have new wants, new desires. We desire what the Spirit wants. We, we desire love and justice and peace and goodness, purity, holiness, all for God's glory and the good of others. When we have the Spirit, our desires change. They will be changed. And yet at the same time, we partner with the Spirit to cultivate new desires. Uh, let me try and illustrate this with an uh, illustration of my relationship with my wife, Meg. Uh, when we enter into a new relationship, our desires change. And so it should with, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus. Uh, when I married Meg, suddenly I find myself just naturally interested in all sorts of things uh, that I weren't before, like, gardening and knitting. And I get excited about that. It's true. Uh, I'm about this far into a scarf. 
uh, it comes automatically. But there is also a sense that as I enter this relationship, I should expect to work on my mind and seek to change, to guard against ungodly desires and foster healthy desires. Like in my marriage, I should want to be interested in things that will help grow our relationship. I may not want it straight away, but I should try and change my mindset to help grow our relationship. And this is the challenge for us. What have you set your mind on? And do you stop to consider your desires and where they are leading you? Desires. We're, we're told that desires are good and should always be followed to give in to your desires. Uh, but you and I know that not all desires are good. Many of us, and I should put this, all of us have experienced desire to hurt others or desire to cheat or desire to abuse. Just because we have desires doesn't make them good. So we should stop and consider, is this what God wants for me right now? Or is this just me giving in to my own self-centeredness? See, we have the mind of the Spirit. Let's cultivate new desires. Uh, but Paul goes further. Uh, Paul is the author of Romans. Uh, he goes further to paint a picture of a mind being governed. Uh, and yet again, Pixar illustrates a bit of theology without meaning to. Uh, it's a bit like the movie Inside Out. Uh, anyone seen that one? Few more, few more than The Godfather. That's good. Uh, much better for you. Uh, Inside Out, uh, a movie that paints a picture of emotions having control over our minds and actions. You know the movie, they've got the control desk and someone's controlling it. Paul instead speaks of different controllers. Uh, that of either the flesh or that of the spirit. And each driver has a different destination. Uh, verse 6. Verse 6, he says, The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. When our minds are controlled by the flesh, by this self-centeredness and self-rule, we'll be powerless to please God and by nature opposed to Him as we make ourselves God. When we give our, our sin the driver's seat in our minds, we set ourselves on a path to a destination that isn't life, but destruction. But when we allow God's Spirit to lead us and control our minds, when we yield to God's Spirit, our destination, He says, will be life. and It will be peace. Who are, who are you giving control of your minds to? Uh, there's a similar verse in Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Who are we giving the driver's seat to our minds and our hearts? Uh, John Mark Comer. I haven't quoted from this book for a while, so uh, it's about time I did. Uh, no, it's just, I love this book. It's really helpful. Um, John Mark Comer says this. He says, the mind is the portal to the soul. And what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you give your attention to. That bodes well for those apprentices to Jesus who give the bulk of their attention to Him and all that is good 
beautiful and true in this world, but not for those who give their attention, their minds, to the 24-7 news cycle of outrage and anxiety and emotion-charged drama or the non-stop feeding of celebrity gossip, titillation and cultural drivel. It's important. What are we giving our minds to? And have you given your mind to the Spirit? Or are you letting your thoughts just run havoc and spiraling out of control? Uh, that happened to me this week. Uh, I've been struggling. Uh, this week was a rough week. Lots of pressures and burdens mounting. And um, just in hindsight, I can see that I wasn't going to go out in prayer and seeking the peace and the life of the Spirit. You let those thoughts go. You give them control. You start to entertain them more. And quickly, for me, it was bitterness and despair just taken hold. And I'm grateful to be preaching this tonight because I need this. I need to be giving the Spirit control over my mind. So how's your thought life going? Pray for the Spirit to give you new desires. Pray for the Spirit to take control of your mind. Take the driver's seat. And don't let your sinful nature take the driver's seat of your mind. I'm just going to pause uh, for a second now. And I just want you to consider, just in your quietness of your own heart, just where your thought life is. What, what do you have your mind set on? I took a moment this week just to stop um, on Friday. Uh, and... I just had this moment of realization that there's a lot of noise going on in my mind uh, and, I, and I needed to give the spirit control again of life and peace. So just take a minute. How, how's your thought life going? Uh, and then we're going to continue into the next part. So just take a minute, just in, in the quietness of your heart. Well, we've seen how the spirit gives not only freedom from condemnation, but freedom for change. Uh, this transformation, this change that the Spirit wants to do to make us like Jesus, like I talked about. Remember that home. It starts with our minds as we give over control. And as we're going to see, the Spirit will work its way through into our whole lives, present and future. And so let me take you back to the cupboard under the stairs. This, for so many of us, is the realm in which we operate. A realm, uh, it's a place of rule, uh, a territory or a space where we dwell. And we can have this mindset that this is our reality, our realm, and the, and the cupboard is our master, our present and our future. We're limited by it. We're controlled by it. We're powerless in it because that's the realm and our reality that we're operating in. And so we need to change our perception of reality change our perception of the realm in which we are alive. So I'm going to say this a lot tonight. I'm going to say, get out of the cupboard. You, however, you, however, verse 9, he says, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. The implication is that for those who do believe, the Spirit lives in you. And Paul's he's just spent chapters proving to us that it's God's work and that through faith in His cross alone that we belong to Jesus. 
Stop doubting yourself. Start trusting Him. Indeed, He says, the Spirit lives in you. What I think Paul is saying is that if you belong to Christ, you do have the Spirit. The two are inseparable. We cannot think that we have the Spirit without Christ. We cannot think that we have Christ without the Spirit. The reality, if, if you've believed in Jesus, then you have the Spirit. So we see the fruit of the Spirit, the transformation that He's going to bring about us as we operate out of the cupboard, living in the realm of the Spirit. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, and He is, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. So the Spirit's doing two things. He's going to resurrect your present and He's, re he's going to resurrect your future. He's resurrecting your present and will resurrect your future. Firstly, our present. Paul is honest. Our bodies are subject to death because of sin. And many of us are experiencing this subjection of our bodies. We get sick. Our bodies break. We experience tremendous pain. We age. We get old. Trust me, I know I'm turning 28 next month. <laughs> Got some uh, scoffs from over here. <laughs> Love you guys so much. We experience this bodies that are subject to death. But this is amazing. That even though our bodies are dying, we are spiritually alive. The Spirit gives life. Eternal life. And according to Jesus, He says, what is eternal life? To know the Father. And that starts now. We're invited into a relationship to know our Creator. We can commune with God, experience His love, His peace, His comfort, even as our bodies are decaying. We're spiritually alive to God. And it gets better. Verse 11, He will also give life to our mortal bodies, just as Jesus was raised from the dead. This is talking about our future. The Spirit is our guarantee that when Christ returns, our bodies will be resurrected into eternal life. And all the pain and turmoil of decay and death loses its sting. For those in Jesus, there is hope of resurrection. And the fact of Jesus' own resurrection, I mean, it was an astounding miracle at the time. So many people couldn't believe it was true, but it was, and it's rocketed this movement that has continued to ripple. Because Jesus was truly resurrected from the dead, gives us confidence that that will be our future too. We can be certain that our bodies will be resurrected. This is the realm, our reality, that we need to operate in. Though our bodies are breaking, our hearts can be alive to God by His Spirit. So the Spirit is at work to give life to our present and give life to our future. But let me tell you tonight, we've got a part to play in this. We've got a part to play. Uh, if you remember, as God sees us, 
Remember, he comes alongside us in this amazing home as he sees his perfect people. He says, I want to make you perfect, even though I see you as perfect. He wants to work in us to become the incredible people he made us to be in the image of Jesus. And he does this by the work of the Spirit as we put to death what is corrupt and destructive in our lives. Uh, Verse 12, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We should expect this work of the Spirit in our lives. But notice with me who is active. We do the putting to death. Uh, But we do it with and by the Spirit in the assurance of His grace. So I wonder if, if you believe in Jesus, you belong to Him. Is the Spirit prompting and bringing to mind parts of your life and sins that you need to put to death? And is that your attitude towards sin? Don't entertain them. Don't let them get a hold of you. Put it to death. God's not mincing his words around. He really, really wants us to become his perfect, holy people. He wants us to be his holy people. And he's so passionate about it, he's filled us with his very Holy Spirit to give us the power to do it. We're not left under the stairs, trapped and powerless, left to kind of figure this out on our own. We're not just the adopted nephew that is kind of taken in begrudgingly. God is totally invested in us. He's invested in us. He's for us. He loves us, for we are His children. Verse 14. Verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The assurance of the Spirit. The freedom of the Spirit, the transformation of the Spirit. The last point for tonight, the assurance of the Spirit. You are His child. And because you are His child, He is committed to you. You're not a slave in this relationship. A slave has no rights. A slave is property, and a slave's value is determined by its usefulness. And how easy can we have this mindset that I'm valuable so long as I'm useful? I'm valuable so long as I'm useful. We think that because I'm shy or because I'm lazy, because I'm weary, because I'm still addicted to porn or alcohol, that I'm not valuable to him. This is a slave mindset, and a slave lives in fear, afraid of punishment, afraid of being tossed out. Listen to these words, and let them get deep into your soul tonight. When we belong to Jesus, verse 15, it says, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Adoption to sonship. When you receive Jesus, the Father adopts you. Whoever you are, male or female, whatever your background, whatever your history, He wishes you up, not only into His home, but to His seat of honor. 
That word sonship has nothing to do with your gender or your birth order, but everything to do with your inheritance, with your inheritance, your place in the home, the magnitude of the grace of God and the power of Jesus to save us from our sinful selves is not just to tidy us up a little bit, but to place us in a position of highest honor. So get out of the cupboard. Why are you hiding from God? Your place in his home has nothing to do with how good you can make yourself. There is no condemnation, no place of fear or shame. He's covered you. Your transformation, as the Spirit works in you to give you new desires, new drivers, new life and holiness as you put to death sin in your life. Our motivation for transformation, that rhymes, our motivation for transformation is not shame. It's not fear or control, but it comes out of living out our identity as His children. As His place of honor in the home, in God's home, to sonship, to inheritance, as an heir. So get out of the cupboard. Step into the life that God has purchased for you. The life that the Spirit makes possible. There's no such thing as a Christian life without the Spirit. We've got to become aware to the reality of God's presence in us to make us His children. God is present with you, not far from you. Uh, the other night I had a conversation with my son, Ned. Uh, we pray to God uh, together every night. And sometimes I'll say something like, you know, God's with us, Ned, and He loves us. And he was struggling to comprehend where God was. He said, no, 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 no. He said, God is at his house. You know, like Nanny goes home. God's home. He's at his house. And I'm like, no, 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 he's here. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like really fighting me on it. He's like, no, God's at his house. But this is the miracle, Nettie, that God has sent his Holy Spirit to be in us so that we can cry out to him and talk to him. He's not only present, God is totally present with us. The Bible says nothing can separate us from it. Nowhere we can go where God is not there. He accepts us. Look with me at verse 15. And by Him we cry, and by the Spirit, by Him we cry, Abba, Father. This is the confidence we have in the Spirit. And I wonder if some of us have forgotten this as we live the Christian life. We have access, we have assurance, we have abundance. We have access. Everyone say access. Still with me. Good. You're alive. We have access. By the Spirit, we cry Abba. He's not talking about the Swedish band. He's talking about the Aramaic word for dad. We cry out. You see this closeness. Daddy, dad, father. He, he loves us. He welcomes us. So we have access. We have assurance. Everyone say assurance. The Spirit Himself, verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So tonight, listen to the Spirit as He prompts you and He says, you are God's child. And I want you to drown out every other voice that's telling you otherwise. And by the Spirit, we have abundance. You know it's coming. Everyone say Abundance. Thanks, Maddie. 
abundance. So now, verse 17, if we are the children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the hope of every believer that we are invited into God's house, into the house of God, received as a child, given all the blessings and all the glory and all the victory of being an heir. And though we suffer, and he's just said, our bodies are subject to death. We suffer with him now. We have the absolute hope of a day when God will make all things right. And we're going to celebrate and share in the celebration of the Father. Not as slaves. Guys, not as nephews in the cupboard. But do you get this? Do you get your position in God? You are a child as his dear child. We've come a long way tonight, but there's just so much in this passage. Uh, the Spirit is more present and more active in your life than you realize. And you are more precious and more secure in God than you could ever know. We have the freedom of the Spirit. And that same Spirit is working to transform us, make us in that perfect likeness of Jesus. And we have the assurance of the Spirit. Uh, so let me leave you with three applications to consider as you make your way out of the cupboard, out of a spiritless Christianity. But really, it's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a spiritless faith. Number one, come alive in the Spirit. Uh, maybe you're not a believer, and you need to ask God for a new heart and to receive His Spirit. Uh, Romans 10, the assurance from God's Word is that believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is God and that He's risen from the dead. That's all. We trust Him for it. Remember, God did it, not us. And He says, receive my gift. It's all what Jesus did to save you. And He is ready to adopt you as His child. And so just for a moment, I encourage you, consider, don't you want this to be true? And oh, but it truly is. It truly is. And if you're a believer and, and part of our church here, I want to encourage you, open your eyes and your heart to the reality that God's Spirit is in you. Walk with Him. Acknowledge God's presence. Ask Him to take control of your mind, which leads to the next application, number two. So number one, come alive in the Spirit. Number two, guard your mind. Be careful who you give control of your thoughts to. We've got to really guard our mindset. And they're so easily will spiral out of control. And we need to ask the Spirit to take control of our minds and lead us to life and peace. And number three, and to finish tonight, care about holiness. Because the Spirit cares about it. You're a work in progress. We're all a work. I'm a work in progress. Uh, what areas of your life do you need to grow in goodness? Uh, I love the passage in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. It's helpful for us to ask, where can we be more loving? Where can you be more joyful, more patient, more kind, more self-controlled, more gentle, more faithful, more peaceful? Care about holiness. Is there gossip in your life? Is there unforgiveness or bitterness? 
is their judgmentalism. We need to remember we are God's children. We belong. And He has filled us with His Spirit, and He wants to transform us. Uh, as we finish, I just want to, uh, again, just be honest with you. Like, I think this week I've uh, neglected the Spirit and allowed cynicism and, and doubt to creep in. And being a pastor is really tough, and you encounter lots of challenges. Uh, and sometimes I've just given in to that fear that this is just, the change could never happen. And I'd forgotten that we have the Spirit, the Spirit who can do the impossible. Do you believe that? That God is with us and that we are His children and that He loves us. This is the hope that we have. 